Welcome to Equip, a special edition of the Teen Pact podcast brought to you by the Teen Pact Alumni Network. Here, we provide tools and resources to help you navigate your career, grow in your faith, and equip you to glorify God through your talents and passions. Thanks for joining us. Okay, well, hey, everybody. Um, my name is Quinn. I work for Teen Pact uh, as our Vice President of Operations, and I'm going to try to not touch our table so that the computer doesn't shake too much, but I am, I'm here with Matthew Williams. Matthew is also a former teen pactor and is a pastor at Kingsway Community Church. And I'm a member here and volunteer on time, uh, some of my time on staff. Um, and so I'm excited to have this equip conversation. I'm talking about conflict in relationships. So we're coming up on the holidays and we're, we're recording this in late October. And um, as we anticipate some of those uh, times together around, uh, you know, a turkey and, and conversation that's in- inevitably going to come up, um, there's going to be moments where we have a lot of disagreements because we know that we're uh, not aligned with all of our family members and extended family members um, in relation to things like our walk with God or our perception of how you know politics is supposed to affect the world and any number of things. And so we wanted to talk to Matthew to kind of help equip you in how to have these sorts of conversations and how to navigate those kind of relationships. So uh, Matthew, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome, Quinn. It's a treat. So this is fun. We're friends and, and you've been a mentor in, of my life for a long time. So I think this will really just be a conversation, which is great. That's yeah, a joy to do, man. So I'm going to I'm going to set you up with a question here. How should we avoid conflict this holiday season with our family members? How should we avoid conflict? Oh, well, um, you're not going to avoid it completely. Um, you know, to, to live in a broken world is to experience conflict. So I think if anyone listening to this has as their goal, okay, a win for King Jesus this holiday season is I don't have any conflicts. Um, You are taking on a peacemaking role for yourself that ultimately only Christ can bring to pass when he returns. Um, So I think that's important to remember out of the gate that the goal is not to avoid conflict. Um, only Jesus is going to bring an end to that one day completely. Praise the Lord. The goal is to represent him well in conflict. Um, and I might add as a tag onto that, you know, to, so far as depends upon us, live at peace with all men. We don't want to create conflict as if, um, the more fights, the better. Mm -hmm. Sure. And I think that some of our dispositions, uh, lend or tend toward one side or the other, right? Like some of us, um, it's like, if you want to go at it, I want to bring it on it. Let's go. And there's other, other people who are are listening or watching this that would say, no, if there's any sort of conflict, I'm, I'm going to, you know, kind of back away and just kind of let you do your thing. So one of the things I think would be helpful to, to kind of discern here is, like, at what point do you engage? If somebody kind of throws a bomb into the the discussion where, you know, they, they, they bring up the name Trump and it's like, Oh, that's a hot topic. You know, that you've got, you, the line is drawn and you know, there's sides and all this stuff. Um, you know, what do you do in terms of, it's not always, it's not never, you're not trying to just avoid conflict. You're trying to represent Jesus in conflict. So how do you go about discerning? Do I engage with that person on that topic or do I not? Uh, Oh Yeah. Yeah, that's a big question, Quinn. Um, lots could be said there. I think first, just 
be honest about how much relational passport you have. Um, what do I mean by that? Is this a, a perfect stranger that you haven't seen in several years? Um, or is this a close sibling where you have a lot of history and a lot of equity in the bank relationally? Um, the metaphor I like to use sometimes in just coaching people on this stuff is don't overdrive your headlights. Um, however much insight God has given you into somebody's heart, however much relationship you have already, uh, keep that in mind and, and don't try, try not to push past that. Okay. So if I were to give you a personal example or two, yeah. um, I can think of a grandparent of mine, uh, who, you know, has his very strong, uh, political beliefs and, um, and we'll just kind of throw those out there and he'll wear his bright colored hat to some of our oh, yeah. family gatherings and that sort of thing. He's, he's baiting. Yeah. 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 But I, I only see him once, maybe twice a year. Yeah. And so I hesitate to really push too far in a conversation because he, he's getting sure. all this intake, <laughs> the, the 364 other days of the year that I don't see him. And so is that, is that kind of the point where you're saying, if you're walking with somebody, you have relationship with them, you know a little bit more of their heart and life, yes. that's when you kind of start to lean in and have those sorts of conversations? Absolutely. Okay. Um, the, the fact that somebody else wants to discuss a hot topic with you does not mean you have to or that God wants you to. Mm. Um, so let's just assume for a second somebody has relationship, has passport. Um, how do you think through then what to discuss, what not to discuss? Um, I think a, a second question besides, okay, how much relationship do I have? Um, is to just say, what, what do I think God is most concerned about in this person, in this friend, or in this family member? Um, and to not treat that as perfunctory, because I think a lot of times we just react in conversations. We don't actually stop and think, wait a minute, there's someone else in the room here and it's not just me and this family member or me and this friend. The Lord Jesus is present and he's doing something in that person's life. Mm. And until I can say, even internally to myself, I think Jesus is up to fill in the blank mm -hmm. in that person's life. I mean, I can't see into their heart. I'm not omniscient. But until I have some sort of sense for what I think God might be doing, I'm really reluctant to speak. Mm. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that perfectly falls in line with kind of your main point that we're, our responsibility is to represent Christ, not to yes. just go out there and win all these battles for Jesus, you know, yes. in a political sense or in, in any other sort of sense. Um, and so as you, as you think about what some of those topics are, I mean, people experience this all the time where, um, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not going to be perfectly aligned with family members. Um, even within Christianity, um, there's going to be different denominational differences and there's oh, yeah. going to be disunity in some areas. So how do you, um, pastor or in your own life, kind of how do you encourage people to pursue unity around the right things? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do um, in holiday context. Uh, where you have all sorts of different levels of relationship involved. Um, I've been in plenty of those myself. Uh, you have Christians present. You have non-Christians present. I, I think one of the ways we serve, and I put this in the category of loving our neighbor, um, is by taking con conversational initiative. So if I know that there's a family member 
who is itching for a fight on political topic, whatever, um, I might deliberately try to steer that conversation, not fueled by fear. We're back to, you know, the, the savior complex of I'm going to avoid conflict. Um, but by servant leadership that would say, hey, tell me something um, that you really enjoyed in your work this past year. Or what's one of your favorite memories from growing up um, during Christmas or the holidays? Or, or if they're a believer, um, and what, what's the best book you read this year that just served your soul? So rather than kind of sitting back and waiting for a bombshell, <laughs> sure. right? How can I love this person and love everybody else by setting a tone for the conversation that's more focused on what has God been up to mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. than on what they want to fight about? I love that because um, that that's not limited to extroversion. That's exactly. something that any and all of us can do because it's a it's a question and it's it's a it's instead of being me focused, it's others focused, and you're yes. you're taking time to prayerfully discern like how can I like you said lead, serve, guide, you know, right. and it might just be a simple question, and then the next thirty minutes of conversation is this really edifying thing. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> instead of waiting yeah. for the bombshell to to go off. So I love that. Yeah, and say say a bombshell does go off, you know, someone makes some. I I just don't understand why those people. You know. Yeah. Um, I think that's a moment where one. Don't be afraid of the awkwardness because as I said earlier, Jesus is still present. Like you're not alone. He hasn't fled the scene. He's not wringing his hand. So you don't have to freak out, but two to recognize, okay, how can I respond to a bombshell type comment? Not, not by trying to match their ferocity or their tenacity or their emotional level, but by, by taking the opportunity to say, for example, um, you know, I was reading a book by Jonathan Lehman recently, and he talks about, in this whole political realm, the difference between straight line is- issues and jagged line issues. Um, you know, straight line issues where there's, there's kind of clear black and white biblically jagged line issues where it's more of a wisdom issue. And faithful, God-fearing people can disagree and have different opinions. And, you know, I just found that really helpful this past year is, you know, we're, I was processing a lot of our political conversation to think through things in those two categories. So I'm, mm. I'm engaging on the political topic. I'm not being an ostrich putting my head in the sand, but I am steering it toward more of a principled, um, how do we think about this rather than just responding in kind? Yeah, absolutely. There, there will come a point, uh, like you said, where <clears throat> the conflict will, will rear its head. You know, there yep. will be points of, of disagreement and, Let's zoom into that for a moment. So that that moment happens. You're sitting around after Thanksgiving dinner, or Christmas, or New Year's, or whatever, and um, and somebody wants to kind of engage with that conversation. You do have the relational passport equity to kind of all right, like this is a good time for me to be a faithful representation of Christ and to hopefully influence this person with truth and grace. Like, how how would you even go about that? Like, what kind of what kind of questions or or comments are going to be helpful in kind of soothing that. Cause like what, what I think about is like in our social media culture that that's existed for maybe 15, 20 years. Um, it's like the comment thread, right? If you get on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or any Twitter, God forbid, and you, you <laughs> see just how divisive people are and they're just, you know, one person's throwing a grenade and the next person's throwing a grenade and there's just yes. never any real, Everybody's Um, trying to score points. Yes. Yeah. And so if it's not the scoreboard that you're concerned about in that conversation, 
how do you start to navigate that where you're like, okay, I've, I've prayerfully discerned that I am supposed to engage with this particular conversation. What are some ways that I can help guide the conversation or encourage this person to think more, um, more biblically about this, whether that's with a believer or an unbeliever, is, is that a big difference to you in terms of discerning how to engage with somebody? Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you share? Yeah. I mean, I don't think we've mentioned this thus far. But I would just say across the board, um, at risk of drawing a hard and fast line, um, if I'm not convinced someone's a Christian, I am going to work pretty hard to not have intensely political conversations with them. And the reason for that is I don't want them to think I represent Biden or I represent Trump, or I represent pick your political figure. I, I want them to know I'm trying to represent my heavenly citizenship here. And in that moment, I'm very aware, if I'm not sh- sure where they're at with Christ, that their biggest need is not which box they're going to check on the ballot in a couple weeks. Their biggest need is where's their heart at with the Lord? Like elections are going to come and go, but, but that image bearer has business to do with God. And so there are times that somebody, you know, I can be on a plane, right, traveling somewhere, and I meet someone, we're just engaging in conversation, and they're kind of turning things politically. I am hard steering that, you know, to personal life issues, family issues, issues of the soul, religious topics, because I want to get to the gospel. Because I know, back to the earlier point we were discussing, God cares far more about that than how they're going to vote. Mm, that's really good. I I think that is probably also a subtle critique or maybe not so subtle critique of what a lot of mainstream evangelicals have done in this country where that's become so uh, so aligned with a particular party or ideology that it yes. that certain people will look at, at one and think the other and look at the other and think the one where you're trying instead to say if the most important thing in this person's life is they don't have a relationship with God and they need to be reconciled. Yes. Let's start there. And then, yes, there's other worldview components and wisdom things that should be applied in the political arena. Absolutely. Um, you've you've been known to say, and I think this is a, a quote from a pastor long ago, but, you know, pastors should hold the Bible in one hand and, and the, the news mm. of the day in the other. Um, and in the same way, that's kind of what you should do, af, you know, as, as somebody comes to faith in Christ, like they have their life that they're experiencing yes. and you have the word of God that informs how you should live and, yes. and you need to bridge that. And it yes. seems like that's the better context for that kind of conflict, if you will. Um, but right. that's also something that's going to be empowered by the spirit that lives within each of you. And so there's, yeah. I don't know, in my mind, there's a, there's a, a much higher chance for unity in those areas, not to say that you're going to be perfectly aligned politically on the jagged line issues, um, but at least some of the straight line issues you could start to kind of like really think through with a a young believer. Yes. Yeah. I am on on this topic. I'll I'll add this. Um, When someone makes a political observation or a, a sociological observation about our culture. Um, I care just as much, and I think the Lord wants us to care just as much, about how that fact, that data point as they're presenting it, is sitting in their soul. 
than they do about the merits of the position itself. So for example, um, say I'm talking to an African-American brother who is uh, deeply fearful of what he might experience if he's pulled over. Um, He may have a very different political worldview than other members of the family or other friends that are in the room. But in that moment, the main way I can represent Christ is by addressing, speaking to, how does the Lord care for us in our fears? Mm, mm-hmm. As an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So I think we've kind of talked about how to discern whether or not to engage in the conversation, how to hopefully engage in that conversation well. What are some areas that you you choose to pray um, how, how do you pray uh, for whether it's a, a believer who um, maybe some socioeconomic or political statement kind of reveals that something else is kind of higher uh, on the throne of their heart than, than King Jesus's yes. objectives for their yes. life, right? Yes. Um, or for an unbeliever, um, just in, and how do you pray for them um, around the holidays? Uh, and then I have one last question to round out our time together. Yeah, absolutely. So how to pray for... Yeah, believers and unbelievers who you disagree with. Yeah. Um, I think the first answer would be, first pray that God would open your eyes Mm. to see what he's doing in that person. We said that already. Um, And then, you know, maybe you ask that question and or even you agree with the idea of that question, but you're not sure how to answer that, or you can't put your finger on something in particular, I would just say, you know, open, brought my Bible in here, you know, open your Bible. I'm presuming this isn't kind of praying in front of the whole family before Turkey, okay? Um, But open your Bible in your own time with the Lord, you know, to a passage like Colossians 3, and pray the put-offs and the put-ons for that person. Or, you know, go over to Ephesians and, you know, pick a passage like, chapter three and pray Paul's prayer for spiritual strength for that person. Um, I think one of the most important things we do, whether we're praying for believers or unbelievers, or just people that we have no idea where they're at is that our prayers are, are not just biblical in a, well, it's a biblical prayer because I'm talking to the father through faith in the son, but we're actually praying what God has taught us to mm-hmm. pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes when we're praying scripture, even verse by verse for someone, it has a way of aligning our hearts with the things God really cares about and exposing where the stuff I might have prayed for um, was either unimportant or, um, yeah, just not the main thing God was up to. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really good. So the last question I have is when we think about uh, individuals and families who have already experienced this kind of conflict, and it actually um, hurt, and it broke some things, and relationships are um, either frayed or maybe even severed right now. Um, how do you encourage people who are are kind of in a place of grieving that, I guess, um, where, you know, I can think in my family, I have one sibling who does not have a relationship with the rest of her siblings and with our parents and and so on, and it and it crushes us. And when, whenever we're around each other at the holidays, that that's 
all the more apparent that she's not there. Um, and, and, and that hurts. So how do you encourage people who already have had the, the bombshell go off and are trying to just deal with that? Yeah. A couple of things, man. I think the first is uh, to recognize the Lord understands that sorrow. So he's not in heaven waiting for us to figure out if we're going to respond to it the right way or the Christian way. Um, he knows far more than you or I do, um, far more than anyone listening to this podcast will ever know what it means to be betrayed. Right, one of Jesus' closest disciples, you know, friends that he spent years with in all sorts of ministry settings, betrayed him. Um, and so, when we feel that pain of relationship lost, we can know in that moment the Lord understands that. I can bring that to God and ask him to comfort my own heart, um, not just show me what to do. I, I can bring that emotional sorrow to him. Um, and you see the same thing all throughout the Old Testament, right? Where, where the Lord is just even the prophets. Read Isaiah. He's grieving the pain of relationship broken with Israel, his people. Yeah. And so just to begin by remembering Okay, God gets this sorrow, and I can bring that to the Lord. I can pour out that sorrow to him, Psalm 62, and expect him to comfort me through his word, through his spirit, by his people. So that'd be the first thing I would say. Um, and then secondly, to, to recognize that um, even where a relationship has been ravaged or broken by sin, um, that doesn't mean that I've lost the ability or the opportunity to represent Christ in that relationship. So what do I mean by that? Um, say someone is a family member that they used to be really close to, but then something happened last Christmas. And now, you know, when you get with them, it's going to be a little awkward. There's not that same closeness. And I think in our minds, there's a temptation to just kind of write that person off or to think, all right, I'm going to try to sit in a different side of the room or, you right. know, just, right. We just kind of manage the awkwardness and try to survive. Um, far better to go into that and say, Lord, whatever opportunity you want to give me to love and care for this person on their terms, to the degree they open up their heart, to the, the degree they're comfortable, help me to be listening and leaning forward. Um, that's very different than kind of putting relationships in categories where we have, oh, this is a person I can talk to. This is a person I can't. You, you don't know what the Lord might be doing. Um, and we want to go in, because we have a big, faithful God, we want to go into those contexts, that family room, that post-Thanksgiving transition, and sit down and, again, confident God is in the room. Um, take whatever chance he gives us conversationally to love somebody. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Teen Pactors, as, as you guys um, are probably observing this either on um, Facebook or on YouTube, um, this would be a great chance to chime in with the comments and just kind of reflect on these sorts of things and how to apply this in your context and ways that you've already seen the Lord care for you and your family. Um, but we want to thank Matthew for joining us on Equip through the Alumni Network. It's been great having you, Matthew. Thanks. <laughs>